we are continuing a series called Face to Face. It's talking about God encounters. How do we come face to face with God? What does that look like for us? What does that mean for us? How does that change our behavior? How does that change our relationship with God? How does that change our whole entire beings and life? So as we press into that, we've looked at some of the all-stars of the scripture and how they came face to face with God. And as I've been prepping these messages, I keep on coming up with different guys I could have talked about. And different women I could have talked about. And like different people just keep on, ooh, this mess, this series could last like all year long. It could be just the year of face-to-face. It won't, but uh, it, it, it could. Uh, so uh, we are, I'm just excited about today's message because I think it, it hits us a little bit more in home uh, to where we're at. It's a little difficult sometimes to figure out how you come face-to-face when you're talking about a burning bush, Right? I haven't seen any of those in my life. Uh, well, I've seen burning bushes, but not ones that didn't get consumed by fire. And God didn't start speaking out of them. Okay, so that's a little different. Uh, and some of the other the face-to-face encounters, I didn't sit on a mountaintop and this wind and temp, you know, all these things start happening and then God start whispering to me. That hasn't happened to me either. But this next one, it's a little closer to home because we're going to talk about Isaiah and his face-to-face encounter with God. And Isaiah's face-to-face encounter with God happens at church. And it's very interesting. It happens at the temple. So like uber church, but it it happens in the the building of God and it happens in in this church building. And I think this is very interesting. And for some of us, I think it's easier maybe to grab onto. And God is everywhere. You can meet God in the in your car on I-55, although it might be hard because of the words that you're saying. Uh, But you can meet him there. Uh, Some of you are like, how did he know? What's that? What's that? Because, uh, yeah, I'm human too, but that's okay. Uh, you, you can meet God in your living room. You can meet God at the kids' baseball game. You can meet God wherever you are at. But we try to make a conducive environment to the face-to-face encounters with God here at the church are just easier. There's nothing special or uh, different about this building. It's all of us gathered. If we are gathering in the living room or down in the basement or wherever, the same face-to-face encounters can happen. But Our goal here on Sunday morning is to try to remove all those distractions and try to make it the easiest on-ramp we possibly can for you to have a face-to-face encounter with God. And so, and you go, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense, Jared. I get it. Um, And so we're going to talk about Isaiah today and his on-ramp with with God. And my barista is bringing me coffee because I, if you could tell in my voice, have a little thing. Thank you so much. Um, A little thing. I drank some cold water and my voice just stopped. And so I know I need lots and lots of coffee. So today I'll be speaking really, really fast because I'm really caffeinated. Uh, so, like, what else is new? Um, <laughs> yeah. She even put cream in it. You're nice right there. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, Exodus 33:11 says this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And we, the whole reason we're going through this sermon series, the whole reason why we're going through these messages is because this is a heart cry and a goal of my life that I could be in a relationship with the Lord, that I'm speaking face-to-face with God Almighty as one speaks to a friend. Now, not, not out of the uh, indifference or flippant nature as I talk to my friends, but that God would know me and I would know him in a deep, meaningful way. This is the longing of my heart, and I want to bring this to your attention as well. Today's talk 
centers really on this kind of this statement. Coming face to face with God takes presence, persistence, and purpose. I had to use a lot of synonyms today. I was struggling to find all P words on this, but presence, persistence, and purpose. And so we're going to tackle that. What does that look like for us? How do we come in contact with God? What can we do to maybe make that on-ramp a little easier? Because I think sometimes God has made the on-ramps there. I've wondered in my life when I read the Moses story of this burning bush, I wondered how long that bush was on fire. Moses was wandering the desert with his heart broken for 40 years. Was that bush on fire waiting for Moses to see it for 40 years? It's one of those questions we won't know the answer to. But imagine if, if God's like, well, I'm here. If you just would quit gazing at your own navel, right? Quit being swamped in your own stuff. You could see I have an amazing plan for you. Something bigger than you can ever imagine. And I just wonder, wonder what, what, what is that like? What does it look like? How long was that bush burning? What is our attitude towards that? I think another face-to-face encounter with God is there's a, a kid named Samuel. He's one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. And he is just a boy, and God is calling his name. Samuel! Samuel! Or Samuel. I don't know how he sounded, but watch you have like a really high squeaky voice, but that's good. Samuel! Uh, so, like a Mickey Mouse thing, that would be really... Uh, Sorry, I read the Bible different than you guys. Uh, so just that uh, But Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And he's like, yeah, what? Okay, he goes into his boss's uh, room. He's like, what do you want? A little sleepy, right? And, and Eli, his boss, goes, what are, what are you doing? Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to sleep. Samuel, Samuel, runs back into Eli's room. What do you want? I call you, go to bed. Goes back. Samuel, Samuel. It takes three times for Eli to realize... Oh, it might be God talking to this kid. Think about that. Think about the, the difference in brain. Like Samuel doesn't know the voice of God, but the guy who's the chief priest of the land doesn't know the voice of God either. It takes him three times to go, oh, I've heard about this. And I think maybe for us, it's the same kind of thing. I was like, wait a minute. I felt something at church. I felt something when I prayed. I felt something when I read the scripture. I felt, I said, uh, what? Was that, was that the pizza? What was that? I don't think we were going to be very intentional about discerning and discovering what, it, what it's like when we have these God encounters with the Lord. And so that's where we're at today and where I want to explore today. And it's a very biblical, we're not alone in that. We're not alone in the confusion, right? If a prophet is renowned as Samuel is like three times to hear the voice of God and recognize it's the voice of God. If Moses going, he needs a burning bush. Like it's okay if we might miss some signs every once in a while. We can cut ourselves a little slack because the best of the best of the best missed it. Okay, we might miss it too. But I want to help us be a little bit more maybe attuned and open and learn from their mistakes so we can discern what it's like when God's trying to get our attention. Isaiah 6 Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe was filled, filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphim, each were six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth, the whole earth is filled with his glory. So Isaiah is walking into the temple and he sees this image of God filling the whole place. Like this would be not a normal day at work. Right? This would get your attention. If I walked in here one morning, I was like, yeah, it's like pull a Kramer. Like, what? what the, you know, what's going on with the door? Wow, this is exciting. So this is what's going on with Isaiah. Isaiah has this encounter with God where he's seeing him in his full glory. He's seeing him with glory, and the angels are surrounding, attending God, and he's like, ah! oh my goodness. This encounter is one that God wants for you to have as well. This is a truth, I think, that we need to internalize. We need to, to really resonate with because I think sometimes we think, oh, we're too disqualified. We're too messy. We're too far away from God that this truth can't be for us, that God wants, him, wants to reveal himself to you. Or if you want to make it even more personal, God wants to reveal himself to me. He wants to show himself to you. And we put these blinders on and we go through life and we say, oh, I can't, that couldn't be God. This couldn't be God. This couldn't, nope. No, I can't, I can't be God. And we, like, he, he doesn't want to talk to me. He, didn't, he wouldn't want to speak to me. The truth of the matter is this. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show himself to you. He wants to have a relationship with you, deeper and wider and more intimate than you can ever possibly imagine. All right, Jared, if I hold that truth, how do I do that? What does that look like? First thing is this. Pray intentionally to encounter God. Pray intentionally to encounter God. I pray a lot for things. For people, for situations, for heartbreak, for uh, people who are sick, for relationships, right? We pray for things. But do we pray to intentionally encounter God, to meet him, to be in his presence? Do we, do we intentionally pray for that? And if I'm looking at myself, I'm holding up a mirror, I say, I miss that sometimes. I'll go, go months without wanting to really encounter him. No, 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 God, God I, don't, I don't really want to know you. And what I'm saying is, God, I don't want to know you. I just want you to do something for me. And that's not backwards, or that is backwards in a relationship. How does that work in your marriage when you don't want to know your wife, you just want her to do stuff for you? Right? How does that work for your, for your husband? If all you do is a honeydew list, you don't want to, like, I'm glad I married this handyman. This was great. Like, that doesn't, doesn't work out so well, does it? You guys are like, I'm afraid to nod right now. <laughs> Elbows might be thrown. Um, but it's a, we got to get to know this God, this, this creator, this lover of our soul, this Savior and this Redeemer. How do we do that? We pray intentionally for, to encounter God. Pray for yourself to have an everyday encounter with God. And secondly, pray for the service church to be drenched in the Holy Spirit so that others may have face-to-face encounters with God. Intentionally, we have a prayer team that meets here on Thursday morning that you are more than welcome to attend. And we spend a good, probably a third of our time just praying for the service and what God's up to in this church. And then we pray, the other time is praying for a prayer request that our church has received and for each other. But very intentionally, saying, God, we want you to be a part of the service. We want you to be a part of what we're doing here. And if you're not a part of it, how do, how do we need to change? Because 
You're not the one that's wrong. So how do we do that? As a church body, you need to join with us. We'd love for you to join with us. And pray intentionally for yourself to meet with God, but also that this place would be an avenue for people to meet with God. Second, come to church with the expectation of meeting God. Come to church with the expectation of meeting God. Now, this is big. This is different. And you're like, Jared, of course I I come to church and I expect to talk to God. Yeah, but this expectation that it is the yearning of your heart. It is not a surprise when God shows up on Sunday morning, but it's like a, yes, there you are. You see the difference in that? And I think sometimes when we come to church, our attitudes about church is, I'm going to go because my kids need X, or I hope we talk about this, or because I need to talk to so-and-so, or whatever. But when we come to church with the expectation of encountering God face-to-face, everything changes. The music changes in your ears. The sermons change on your heart. Everything changes when we come with the expectation of meeting God. This expectation stuff is huge. It, it supersedes just, uh, just church, but everything in your life. And let me go into that for just a second. If you expect work to be terrible, you will not be surprised. Right? If you, maybe you have a rough job. And I will not say that your job's not rough, but if you expect today to be terrible and so-and-so is going to be this and this is going to happen and blah, 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 you will not be surprised at all. If you expect your marriage to be a fight, you will not be surprised because you're expecting what? A fight. You're expecting the negative. I can always find the negative. They're very easy to see, especially when you're a little bit more bent toward the negative side. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, my, my, yeah, I know, I know. My, my mother could find the sunshine in a cloudy day, all right? So uh, if you expect your marriage to be a fight, you will not be surprised. If you expect your kids to misbehave, you will not be surprised. If you expect them, right? You go, you're going out to dinner, and you're expecting, yes, Bobby is going to do X, Y, and Z. This is going to happen. It's a truth of nature. It's, they will do it. Your kids will rise or fall to the expectations that you have for them. Why? Because you've built in things that you're like, I'm already expecting it. I'm ready for it. You may call it preparation. I call it setting yourself up for failure. Hello. If you expect your kids to misbehave, you will not be surprised. If you expect church to be boring, you will not be surprised. We can have all kinds of lights and fog and, you know, da-da-da up here, and you would still... It can be fine, bit boring. We had, in, in, in Georgia, we had one of the most engaging, exciting, some would say crazy experiences on Wednesday nights. Like, it just, stuff was happening. Well, one time we had three drum sets in a room the size of these chairs. Like, three drum sets there. I don't, and people are like, ah, yeah, kids are there. They're expecting, because it's church, I'm going to be bored. This is my default flatline answer. You can do anything, but if your expectations are different, everything changes. If you expect church to be boring, you will not be surprised. So to flip it, if you expect the best out of work, you'll be surprised how rewarding it can be. If you expect the best out of work, you'll be surprised how rewarding it can be. 
because you set yourself up for those expectations. If you expect the best out of your marriage, you'll be surprised how rich it can be. If you expect the best out of your children, you'll be surprised by how wonderful they can act. If you expect to meet God at church, you'll be surprised how deep the encounter can be. And it's changed these expectations. You can ask Isaiah and Alexa when we did our premarital counseling this summer, how many times we talked about setting expectations. It came, we met like eight times. I think we talked about it seven out of the eight, right? Setting expectations, know what to expect out of each other, know what to expect out of your in-laws, know what to expect out of paying bills. Eyebrows went up all across the room when I said that. How to set expectations, how to know what's going on, because this this sets the default pattern of who you're going to be. For far too long, we set expectations of church as something I do, not something where I get to encounter the creator of the world. Do you see how, how exciting? Well, I get to go to church, kneel, sit, stand, whatever, raise my hand today, maybe, get a cup of coffee. But no, 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 when I come with the, with the idea and the expectation that I'm going to meet God here, that changes everything around. Set your expectations differently. God actually wants to meet you, no matter where you're at. He wants to meet you, yes, with that junk. Yes, with that stuff. Yes, with that past. He wants to meet you. Secondly, God wants to cleanse you. Isaiah 6, 4 through 7. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. See, he even had lighting effects. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. When we come into contact, here's the truth about God. He will not tolerate sin. We can come face-to-face with God. We can have a face-to-face encounter with God, but something in us has to change for that face-to-face encounter to continue. So God provides the way. It's not us that provides the way. God provides the way for that to be Cleansed. He touches Isaiah in the lips with a coal. And I've been thinking about this all week long, and, I, and I'd never thought of it this way. This was actually something I thought of on Wednesday when I was studying for this and writing this down. So I wonder what Isaiah's lips looked like after this encounter. Like, was his goatee singed? Like, and seriously, was his lips burned? Did he have blisters? Did he go away from it changed physically? Because for me, it's very easy for me to come to church, want a God encounter with God. And, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. This is fantastic. Yeah, I had a God encounter with God. And then we get to the point where it's like, well, I maybe feel some conviction that this part of my life needs to change or this part of thing. I need to get rid of that habit or that addiction to those Oreo cookies or whatever's going on in my own life. I need to get rid of. I'm like, ah, and I shy away from it. And the God encounter evaporates. Because every time we come in contact with God, he's saying, hey, listen, your, your sin, your stuff, I want to remove it. I've, I've paid the price. I'm willing to remove it. But there has to be a change in you. For the face-to-face encounters with God to continue. You see the, the rub there? 
Because sometimes I feel like we come into contact with God and we, we go there and we leave. We're like, whoa, that was amazing. And then we fall into the same pits and the same stuff and the same junk and the same depression, the same anxieties that we had on Saturday. We come to church on Sunday morning. Whoa, that was amazing. And Monday morning, everything is back to exact the same. It's not that God isn't redeeming enough, that God doesn't have enough power, so we're not making the changes. Repentance means to change direction, that you go one way and you go another. You go, okay. We've talked about it before. Sin actually means to miss the mark. It's an archer term. So it means I'm missing the mark, and repentance is basically changing your aim. But if we continue to live life, and we're shooting over here, and we're shooting over here, why am I not hitting the mark? This is really frustrating. I'm a terrible archer. But you never change any of your fundamentals to get better. God wants to cleanse you. This is not a condemnation. You're terrible, and you're horrible, and blah, blah, blah. It's a conviction of saying, I want better for you. I want to deepen this relationship. I want to have more relationship with you. I want to come face to face with you. I want this relationship to get deeper and broader and know all of you and you to know all of me. But if we're going to continue this relationship, I have to cleanse you because I'm not going to be where sin is. And for some of us, that's, oh, whoa, 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 I like that stuff. Don't know. But we're talking about relationship with God Almighty. And yet we will choose less than good stuff all the time over him. We'll choose less than good people. We'll choose less than good relationships, less than good actions, less than good habits. God wants to cleanse you. Finally, God wants to use Isaiah 6, 8 through 9 says this. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell the people. And there's a whole list of things that he's going to do. I think this is beautiful. What did God just, just do? In the sentence before this, he takes coals and tss, sears his lips, his unclean mouth. The things that were coming out of his mouth were apparently putrid and not good, not uplifting, bad. He sears it off, cleanses him, and then what does he do? He doesn't say, go clean the bathroom. He doesn't say, go take out the trash. You're not worthy. He says, go and tell. He's using, reclaiming the very thing that, that Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He says, you know what? I'm going to use those lips. Isn't that beautiful? God is, is sending you on purpose. These face-to-face encounters come with coming an expectation of meeting God. These face-to-face encounters come with an idea of, I'm going to meet God, but then I can't leave these encounters the same as I was before. And then I leave these face-to-face encounters on purpose, with a mission, with something to do. I know I'm going to go into a commercial for Grow. This is what Grow is about. This is what we meet downstairs on Saturday about, is finding our purposes. How, do, how did God wire me? How do I go deeper in this? How do I tear down some walls so I can come face-to-face with God maybe a little bit easier? 
How do I find my role? How did God wire me so that maybe I can fit into the kingdom of God better? Because, Jared, I tell you right now, I don't sing, and I'm not a public speaker, so apparently I can't be used by God. There is hundreds of other ways that you could be used to be the body of Christ. And so that's what GROW is all about, helping us find those places, find those avenues. Maybe you feel disqualified. And I bring up some of these other guys who had face-to-face encounters with God. I said, you're not, did you kill somebody? Like, legitimate question. Maybe you have. Praise God you're here and getting redeemed. But Moses kills a guy. And God uses him. Right? Second most important guy in the Bible. Third most important guy in the Bible, a guy named Paul. He was a professional hitman. Basically a Jewish Gestapo. And I know those words don't go well together, but that's what he's doing. He's going around hunting Christians down and and approving them getting killed by rocks being thrown at their heads. This is his job. And yet he writes basically a third or more of the New Testament. A life redeemed, a life changed. So no, you're not disqualified. But Jared, you don't know my past. Did you kill people? Because God can use that too. Maybe you feel unqualified. Jared, I didn't go to school. I didn't, didn't do this. I didn't do that. The disciples, Peter's a fisherman, right? I, can you clean fish? Maybe not. Jared, I, I'm just not. He can use anybody at any time, at any place. Maybe you feel too old. Jared, my time's done. Not, I, don't, I don't do stuff anymore. I'm retired, retired from church, retired from life, retired. I just, I'm just I'm too old. Abraham gets his call from God to, that he's going to make, uh, be the father of many nations when he's about 100 years old. Are you that old? No one in here is 100. All right, sorry. You may think you're old. You're not that old. No, you can't be too old. Maybe you feel like you're too young. Guess what? Samuel's like 10 years old when he gets called. You're not too young. John, the disciple's probably about 13, 14 years old when he gets called to be a disciple, one of the 12 that's going to change the face of the planet. You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not unqualified and you're not disqualified. God, when he meets you face to face, wants to set your life on a different path with a different purpose. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God wants to meet you face to face. And I I firmly believe in my heart that if we start coming to church and coming to our our scripture reading, coming to our prayer life with the expectation of actually meeting God, our lives, our relationships, our parenting, our marriages will drastically change. That our heart cannot help but be shaped and moved by him. I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a PK squared. Both of my parents are ordained. They got revs in front of their name. I know how to play church, right? Maybe some of you grew up in church too, and you know how to play church too. I do this, I do that. You don't run in the halls, you do this. You know, if you're really good on communion day, you can sneak back and get some grape juice. Like you, you, you go, you know, we really hope they have a, a candy fundraiser because then the pastor's kid gets all the extras. Like that's, that's a perk of the job, right? Uh, so it's, it's just the way it goes, but I was really good at playing church 
and doing the Sunday morning and doing the things that were expected of me. But not until I could have a face-to-face encounter with God. God got me by the shoulders and kind of rattled my brains a little bit. That the God that I knew went to the God that I love. And for you all, maybe you've been around church. Maybe you had a face-to-face encounter with him years and years ago. But since then, it's just kind of slowly receding back just to head knowledge. My prayer and my hope for you, my prayer and hope for you this morning is that God would meet you, speak to you. And it'd be a God that you know about and a God that you love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for who you are what you are, how you redeem us, how you don't want us to stay where we're at, that you want more for us, that you care deeply about us, that you have a plan for us. No matter what's going on in our life or the places that we've been or the things that we've done, that you want to redeem us from that, that you will stop at nothing to set a new life for us. Thank you for for redemption, God. And my prayer to you, Lord, is, whoa, I am a man of unclean lips. And God, will you cleanse me? Will you be Lord of my life and set me on mission? Lord, we love you. We praise your name. Amen.